hi there, and welcome to the Working Title Podcast from MovieRocket.net. Um, I am your host, Ed Gardam, and joining me as always is... Nat May. Hi, your, guys. Your other host. Yeah. Um, this is a weird episode for us. This is actually going to be our first published episode, but it is the fourth episode that we've recorded because I'm a, a bad podcast boy. Well, I'm going to say we can share the blame here. We're both just pretty rubbish at getting that all, you know, underway. So... We've been a bit uh, slow to really get this thing off the ground, but we're going to make it happen this time. This is episode one. Yeah, so this is episode one, which is 2017's 2016 movie wrap-up episode. Yeah, uh, good way to start, I think. Yeah, because it's still January, and also the Golden Globes just happened. So yeah. I feel like it's a good time to be talking about movies. Yeah, of course it is, because, you know, like, I kind of, I didn't actually watch the ceremony myself, don't know if you did. Nope. Looked up a few of the winners and was kind of like, oh, yeah, I agree, and why are we still awarding that film? Yeah, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm, I'm kind of done with awards shows. I don't think I ever need to watch another one ever again, because all the good bits get on YouTube anyway. <sighs> and then Google has, like, a breakdown of all the winners of every category, so I got my fix that way. Yeah, I don't know, it's a weird thing. I do st- still watch the Oscars every year. Um, and each year I watch it, I put less and less stock by it. Like I no longer think the Oscars are actually a barometer of what's necessarily good, but I still can't stop myself from watching it every year. And then just each year, you know, I get more and more outraged that I don't have the same taste in movies as a bunch of old white dudes in Hollywood. I was going to say, it's still old white guys. Good to know. Yeah. Still old old white guys voting on that. Yeah. So Nat. Yes. Yes, Edward. This is gonna. I think this is going to be the shortest part of the podcast because we're just going to quickly run through our favorite movies from 2016. And I think we both realized that we missed out on a lot of movies from yeah, last year. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like that every year that I'm kind of like, I'm going to think of my best. And like, you know, I can usually put together a few titles and then I'm always like, why didn't I watch this or this or this? Because I could do like my 2015 best of great now. But um. Yeah. Oh, no, I know my, yeah, my 2015 best of Magic Mike double XL. It's all you need. Okay. I think okay, that, great. <laughs> I think that was, I think that was 2015. Yeah, I think it was. Best really. movie that year and every year, Magic Mike double XL. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, do you want to start us off? Like, was there a film that for you was your favorite of the year or one that really impressed you or surprised you in some way? Like, no. Um, that's the thing I realized. I looked through, I went onto Wikipedia and I actually have, the list in front of me. Wikipedia helpfully breaks down like every, pretty sure it's just every studio movie really that comes out per month. And I think it took me until, well, okay. I got into February and found Deadpool and that made it to my list, but that's just because I couldn't find anything else necessarily. I was really scraping the barrel. Um, so I have three movies in my favorites for uh, 2016. It's uh, Deadpool, The Witch, and don't breathe. Um, and Deadpool is just kind of there because I had two things in my list and that's not, that's not, it's barely a list at that point. That's just like two thoughts that I had. But yeah, I think, I think we should kick things off by talking about The Witch because that made it onto your list. Yeah, as well. it was also one that kind of made it in my top five from the year. I was pleased I could at least put together a top five. Um, yeah, The Witch I really, really liked because I feel like it's a very different kind of horror film than what we've been seeing a lot of in the last decade or so. Yeah. Um, where there's kind of like no sly jokes. It is just like straight up like fairy tale horror stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I like the fact that it establishes very, there's no, um, 
there's no ambiguity about whether or not there is an actual literal witch in the movie. It's like, no, 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 there is. There is a witch, and now let's see what happens. Yeah, and I really like that, but I also really like that even though it is kind of like so old-timey and a lot of its views, like witches are taken to be, you know, kind of a normal, natural thing, um, that doesn't mean in a lot of ways it doesn't subvert, I guess, typical narratives from those kind of stories, if you know what I mean, like those kind of like fairy tale almost narratives of, you know, children wandering in the woods and, oh God, there's a scary witch. Yeah. Um, Because I think that even though the witch is there and, you know, we kind of go on to see what the witch does, it's also about exploring, well, what is the family going to do in response to that? Yeah, bad shit is the answer. Yeah, like does the family actually end up being more horrifying than, you know, this mythical witch that's hunting them? I feel like that's always the spookiest horror. Yeah. Where it's like man is the deadliest prey or whatever. But like. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean. Yeah. The, the witch is like the least damaging thing in that movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, from the perspective of, you know, the lead character in it, who's a young female, like her future is actually looking pretty bleak at the start of the film with what her family has planned for her. And yeah. really you know, going towards the nihilism of the witch's way of life is really a better option for her in a lot of ways. Yeah. Also, just to skip to the very end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, naked flying parties in the woods seem okay. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, that just seems a lot better than I'm going to work on a farm for the rest of my life as some man's slave. I also found that the witch, um, much like the Babadook, mm. um, the scariest part of that movie were the little kids. Yeah. I don't know like who's in charge of casting little kids in horror movies, but they've been doing a bang up job recently because both the little kid in the Babadook uh, and the little kids in this movie are probably the scariest parts of those movies. Those little kids are evil, damn it. Like I just kept watching it being like, you are fucking this up for everybody, children. <laughs> yeah. So actually this year was sort of a big year for me for horror movies. And that actually isn't saying much because I don't watch a lot of horror movies because mm. I'm a, a Freddy cat. But yeah, I, I, I was suitably impressed with The Witch. Uh, and so that, that topped, I think, my, my list. Uh, Don't Breathe as well, I guess, sort of a horror movie, um, which I think is best described as what happens when Kevin McAllister from Home Alone grows up and becomes blind. Because it is essentially like an adult Home Alone movie mm. um, where like three, instead of wet bandits, it's three teens breaking into this old guy's house. And then... Um, uh, and then they find out that he's not trapped in there with them. They're trapped in there with him. And he sort of systematically murders them. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I, I really like horror that um, is set in the home. Mm. Or like where a home is present. Uh, because I've always been terrified of like dark hallways um, and like closets and stuff. Mm. And this is sort of just justifying my fear. Um, but I'm lucky enough that I live in an apartment that, um, is small enough that I think it would be impossible for any monsters to actually like haunt or like kill me in here. Uh, see, I've got the creepy attic at my place. Oh, you do. Can you tell us about the creepy attic? Um, I don't know if there's really much to tell. So like we discovered at the point that we started renting this place, there was an attic and we just couldn't get the stairs down to it for until we'd been up there for like living in there for months. And then um, once finally when I was home and neither of my housemates were um, 
a male friend of mine managed to get them down and we go up there and there's like this painting that's left in the attic which I only saw a glimpse of in like very dim lighting because obviously there's no lights out there freaked me out male friend then leaves leaving me (laughs) home alone so like thanks to him um yeah so I was terrified of our attic for like a decent year until I got drunk once at one of our house parties and went back up there and realized that actually I think the painting had been left behind not because it possesses some kind of Dorian Gray mystical powers but just because it's a really shit painting so there isn't somewhere out there who is eternally young while that painting gets older and more scarred with his sins no I don't think so I mean the only thing this well I mean this painting does have like a weird little like creepy hand whoever painted it really couldn't do hands so maybe it's someone out there who has like magical like magically beautiful hands while the painting has hideous hands all right give me a list of all the hand models um I don't know any (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, awesome. that's that's it. So basically in my attic, I just have a shit painting and a lot of possums. <laughs> like houses are scary. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Don't Don't Breathe is I think another movie that really only made it onto my list because I needed to, to pad the list out a little bit. So basically you had one film. Well, here's the thing. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I had one film and it was The Witch really. But um, no, like I... I really like Don't Breathe. I really like Deadpool. And actually, I think I, I almost like the story that surrounds Deadpool more than I necessarily like Deadpool the movie. Like how the movie came to be. Yeah, it was like a real uh, tough slog for them to get it made. And um, didn't Ryan Reynolds have to pony up a bunch of his own money to get it made as well? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, yeah. and then it just made like buckets of money. But also I think it was probably like one of the best superhero movies that's come out recently well i feel like superhero movies i have well and truly lost patience with i think deadpool's the only one i actually saw in 2016 but i feel like it was better than most of the ones i saw in 2015 so like i feel like as far as superhero movies go i really hope the genre dies but deadpool was like better than everything else that seemed to be put on offer superhero wise 2016 yeah it's almost like when you have well i i was gonna say a sense of humor but like deadpool's sense of humor it's it's something that you either like like or you hate. But um, if you have a sense of humor about things, and I think also if you make the violence meaningful, because uh, like, I don't know, Avengers Age of Ultron, for instance, mm. like a lot of people die in that movie, but because it's PG-13, you don't really see any of that or it's a lot of dying off screen or it's a lot of like news reports, like thousands of people died when this thing dropped from the sky or whatever, um, or implied violence. But mm. in Deadpool, it's like he has a very specific goal. He's killing very specific people and you see super gross shit happen when he does that. Mm. And I think it makes it more impactful and also like gives the violence a bit of like narrative weight. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'd s- Like it actually feels better than when a film where the stakes are so high that the people involved within it just kind of all seem meaningless. Yeah, yeah. You have like no... Uh, you don't invest in what's actually happening. Mm. Like when they're having all these like big superhero fights in an air hangar for some reason, because that's what the movie is. The movie has to have a big hero fight in an air hangar. Um, And you just don't care. But yeah, I I think, I don't know if I just didn't see the good movies this year or the, in, in air quotes, the good movies, uh, or if I just wasn't really impressed with stuff that I thought I would be like Star Wars isn't on my list. I thought Star yeah. Wars was going to be one of my favorite movies. Yeah, like, um, I mean, Star Wars is, a, like, Rogue One, we should say. A yes, Star Wars story. a Star Wars story. Um, I think perfectly solid, entertaining film, but, yeah, just unfortunately with a few too many flaws, I think, to really make it onto either of our best of lists. Yeah, and it was also... I didn't get that feeling that I got with 
episode seven and maybe that's just because there hadn't been a big screen Star Wars movie in so long that there was just a bit of a like, oh wow, it's happening again with episode seven that you don't get with Rogue One. Yeah, like episode um, seven, it really felt like you're like, this is history here. We're finally here watching another Star Wars, something no one thought was going to happen. Yeah. And Whereas then I, with the Rogue One, we're like, oh yeah. Yeah, I sort of came out of the cinema where I'm like, yeah, that was super good, but I haven't really thought about it that much since. Yeah. Uh, and actually, now that I do think about it, there's big chunks of that movie that are like pretty unnecessary yeah. or, or just not super good. I think the first like yeah. 40 minutes or so. God, where they're on a new planet every two minutes and they've got to just keep putting up title cards. Oh, we're on this planet now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost don't want to think about it anymore because I don't want to tarnish the, yeah. the, the fun memory that I had of that movie. But yeah, I thought that was going to be a huge one for me because uh, I'm like a big Star Wars nut, but I don't know. It was fine. It was fine, but just unfortunately, just fine. Is this because I'm like getting old? Is this a getting old thing? Maybe you'll just hate everything forever. Yeah, oh I mean, God. I'm so halfway there at this point. Um, <laughs> All right, well, but yeah, that's my dinky little list. Now, yours is, has a bit more. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say because I meat. did at least as much as I felt like I lost, I missed a lot this year. I also saw a lot that I really, really loved. Yeah. Um. So my film of the year, which I've had a few people tell me doesn't count, but I'm counting it is uh, lemonade. Actually Beyonce's visual album. Yeah. Now when you first told me that I didn't say it didn't count, yeah. but I did question whether or not it is classified as a feature film. Well, I feel like it does like from someone who's worked in film programming for festivals, generally anything that's over 45 minutes gets classed as a feature as opposed really? to a short. Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, if it's 45 minutes long, you can't really program it as part of a shorts package anymore. Right. So yeah. Like, I mean, it's a very short feature. It's a TV show, but yeah, like, and I've definitely seen features that are like good features that clock in at like 57 minutes. Tell me, um, uh, tell me about Beyonce's Lemonade because I actually haven't seen it. I've just seen like occasional gifts from it. Yeah. Um, so Lemonade, I really, really loved. I'm not sure if you've listened to the audio portion of the album, um, but it kind of, I think it really counts as a film because I think it has a solid narrative over the whole piece. It has interesting characters and themes that it delves into. And it's just like really visually quite spectacular. Um, so I think when the album first dropped, the main narrative that most people seem to be drawing out of it was it was Beyonce writing an album about Jay-Z cheating on her and then, you know, her going through the process of grieving and then forgiving him. Yeah. Um, and while I think that certainly is um, kind of the main narrative that runs throughout it, I think what the visual component really adds to that is it places that in a much broader context where she kind of explores um, her own kind of personal story of betrayal within the context of her entire family history. Oh, really? Um, and as well, I would say the history of the African-American woman. And I think that's a lot clearer in the visual album when you see um, the visuals that really draw out the role that African-Americans have played in American culture. Um, there's a lot of references to um, Malcolm X and his kind of philosophy in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Uh, throughout the whole thing and I think the way that it's not just simply a personal story but it has that broader context for me was just really powerful and as well it was just really powerful to see um, you know an African-American woman telling her own story in the context of this huge broader socio-political experience that she's a part of um, and you know we just so rarely see minorities like that get to author their own stories in that way yeah um, so that was kind of the main thing for me and then as well just um, the visuals are just like 
really gorgeous in the way they reference, um, yeah, different periods of African-American history. Um, the fashion choices she uses throughout them are just beautiful. I love all of the clothing items she wears. Um, I don't know. It's just perfect. I really liked Lemonade so, so much. Is the whole thing... This is probably, I feel like everyone listening's probably seen Lemonade. I feel like I'm the only no, person left in the world that hasn't. But no, I feel like, you know, I remember a lot of people watching it at the time it was released back in April, but whenever I've told people it's my favourite... it been that long? Yeah, it was released back in April. Um, but whenever I've told people it's my favourite film, most people do haven't seen it, I yeah. found. Okay. Is it like musical the whole way through? Um, it's just like song after song after song? Not quite. So, I mean, there's no, like, kind of acting pieces, but between each of the songs she does have some spoken word poetry, which isn't on the audio album. It's just just part of the film. Cool. Yeah. I feel like I need to check that out. Yeah. Well, I can lend it to you if you'd like. Oh, okay. (laughs) Do do you get that on, like, a DVD? Or Or if you buy the CD, you get um, audio CD and visual album as a two-disc set. Cool. Physical media. Yeah, I know, right? I loved it that much. I went out and bought it. Do you know how long, <laughs> like how rarely that happens? Um, yeah, so Lemonade was my best of the year. And then a few others, we've already discussed The Witch. Um, another one that really stood out for me, um, Personal Shopper, which was probably my favourite that I saw at MIF this year. I'm um, super curious about this movie because that's, um, it's Case Stew, right? It's Case Stew. And it's really probably the first thing I've seen that got me on the Case Stew bandwagon. I, I, I love Case Stew, guys. I know she's still got some crazy fans and I encountered some of them on Twitter when I tweeted that I liked the film. Really? Oh, man. I got like 50 retweets on it. <laughs> 50 whole retweets. I know. As opposed to the zero I usually get on my <laughs> tweets. Um, yeah. Like, she's just really really incredible in it. In fact, she's just been great this whole year. Um, she's in that. She's in... Um, Cafe Society, which I have also not seen. Yeah, I don't know if I can because, you know, the whole Woody yeah, Allen thing. Yeah, I have some issues there. Yeah. Um, but she was also in Certain Women, which played at MIF, and she's in that new Rolling Stones video clip and she's just a badass in that as well. Yeah, I've kind of come around on Case you. I mean, I, I definitely got on the Twilight bashing bandwagon. Yeah, so did I. But um, this year is definitely the year that I've come come around to her. Well, I liked her in American Ultra, which is a movie yeah. that a lot of people dislike and I super get why, but I don't know. I thought it was okay. Uh, I did see her in a movie this year actually as well, but I don't think it was released this year. I think it was released in 2015. It's called Equals. Okay, I don't know if I've heard With, of it. Um, oh, the guy from Skins, Nicholas Holt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's very not good. Okay. So I feel <laughs> well, like Well, maybe she's... I won't see that now that I'm so recently on her bandwagon. Yeah, I think it's like, well, she's fine in it. It's just like not a very good movie. But yeah, I think it's like peaks and valleys with Case you at the moment. I'm yeah. waiting for like a real Kristen Stewart resurgence. Yeah, well, I really liked Personal Shopper because I feel like it does this really good blending of, like, it is kind of a festival art film, but it really, I think, quite well brings in these elements of genre film where there is kind of a murder mystery element, there is this paranormal element because aside from being a personal shopper in Paris to a rich woman, she's also a medium whose brother has recently died. She's trying to contact him in some mysterious force from beyond the grave keeps sending her text messages um which all sounds really bad but it actually totally works so her dead brother is sending her text messages well she doesn't know who's sending her text messages she's getting text messages from an unknown number she doesn't know if it's 
from someone alive or dead if it's from her brother, but she's been in Paris waiting for a sign from her brother. All right, this who sounds was also good. I need, to, I need to watch this. All yeah, right. so Personal Shopper I really liked. Um, another one which I really liked, I'm surprised you had, didn't say it, was Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, it's like my mum's favourite movie from this year, from 2016 great, as well. Because Taika Waititi is the best. I love Taika Waititi. I only got around to watching What We Do in the Shadows this year. Yeah. So that was probably one of my favourite movies from 2016 as well. That was my... That was my 2017's 2016 wrap-up favourite movie from 2015. What We Do in the Shadows. Is it from 2014 or later? It's not from 2015. Who cares? Let's talk about... Festival release 2014, cinematic okay. release 2015. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I could be completely making that up. Dude makes good um, movies is Dude the point. makes good movies and everyone loves a film where Sam Neill is a cantankerous old man who comes to love children. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great genre. I, I think I, it's this film in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I could safely say... <laughs> Yeah, okay. I was about to say, I've never seen Sam Neill like a child, but you're right, Jurassic Park. Jurassic there Park, go. he got like children. Yeah, so it's basically those two films uh, constitute a great genre of filmmaking. Um, yeah, tell, tell us about it. Oh, God. Wilder People. It's about, it's him and, is it the kid from Boy? No, no, no. It's no. a new kid called Julian or someone. I don't know, sassy, sassy New Zealand kid. Awesome. Which I think is what Taika Waititi does best, actually, yeah. is sassy New Zealand children. Um, What's the over-under on there being a sassy New Zealand kid in uh, Thor 3 Ragnarok? I really hope there is. <laughs> I think I would actually go see Thor 3 Ragnarok if there's a sassy New Zealand kid in it. It's the lesser Norse god, sassy Kiwi. What? <laughs> sure. Thor's about Norse gods? Yeah, I, don't I know. know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's what the angle is going to go for. But um, yeah, so sassy New Zealand kid who's uh, in the state protection system comes to live with a foster family featuring a really loving mother and then cranky Sam Neill Neil, who he and Sam Neill like to begin with don't like each other um, but they kind of get forced together by circumstances and they come to realize how hard both of their lives have been and they really bond over that but also it's really funny okay all right and there's like you know they're kind of on the run from the cops who think that something completely different has gone on maybe I'll have to get over my initial mum likes it prejudice and go and see it yeah maybe you should maybe um and the last one i'm gonna chuck in my top five is another one i saw at myth this year called tony erdman which seemed to be kind of everyone's favorite around the festival at the time it's german comedy film um which is kind of like it's kind of like an odd couple relationship between a grown daughter and her retired father um father is a real old school hippie who really likes pranks in which he dresses up in ridiculous costumes and his daughter's very serious working um, as a business consultant. And he decides that he wants to kind of rekindle their relationship. So he just like keeps crashing her business meetings and things. And as things get harder and harder for her at work, she begins to really embrace um, her father some more. Her father kind of Initially, after he's been causing some trouble for her, leaves and then comes back under with a costume on and under the guise of Tony Erdman, who's a character he's created. Yeah. Um, and she kind of, for gags, decides that she's going to go along with it, pretend that she doesn't know who Tony Erdman is and um, in, like invite him, him into her business world and chaos ensues. And it's really kind of funny but also heartwarming. And I think it's Germany's entrant for the Oscar best for own picture oh, film really? as well yeah okay, cool. um yeah it's won a lot of film awards across festivals and europe and stuff it is really long uh i actually had to 
maybe watch the ending of it illegally because I went to watch it at myth, <laughs> not realizing it's over three hours and then had to leave that's early. Bit, yeah, that's a bit um, But yeah, just like really like probably some of the most well-defined characters I've seen on film this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a film that kind of sneaks up on you with how funny it is because I'd heard it was a comedy going in. And the first kind of half of it, you know, there's like some quietly amusing moments, but nothing big. But they all just kind of build up to the film's finale sequences where I had like tears streaming down my really? cheeks. It's oh, so funny. It melted your cold, cold heart. It sure, sure did. <laughs> um, so those are probably going to be my top five. But I also want to chuck in a couple of honorable mentions. Yes. For my year. Um, Chevalier, which is another great comedy I saw at MIFF. And then it also had a short run at Acme and I think played the Greek film festival cool. um, would recommend that. And also I Daniel Blake, which was the Palm door winner this year, which is not at all the kind of film I usually like, but I went to watch it anyway and it's great. And so I would recommend that. I Daniel Blake. I Daniel Blake. What's that? Is it about? It's is um, it like I zombie or uh, <laughs> no, I no. robot. No, it's not. Okay. It is like British social realism oh, cool. about how fucked up the welfare system is and Given our current state in Australia at the moment, I feel like that is very relevant. Ooh, political. Political. <laughs> uh, um, what about dishonorable mentions? Yes. I see a note here that you want to get fired up about a Golden Globe winning darling. I sure, sure do. So admittedly, I saw this film in 2017, only a week ago, but it is a 2016 release, so I'm counting it. Um, La La Land. I hated it, guys. I hated it so much. I'm baffled by how much I hate it. I didn't expect that I could hate it this much. Do you have any like pre-existing problems with like Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling that could be clouding this at all? No, No? not one bit. I mean, I'd been looking forward to this film for months because it started the festivals uh, in the second half of last year in about August and was getting like mostly really positive reviews out of that. So I was super excited Uh, got released in Australia and I started to see it was really dividing people online. So I had muted my expectations. So too high expectations were also not a problem. Um, And then I was just blown away by how bad it was. Like there are some, and while I can understand that some of the problems I had with it are purely subjective things that, you know, they may have bothered me and not bothered others. There are some things that I'm like, no, this is objectively bad. Like the fact that I love Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I think they're both fabulous actors. I think they are both painfully beautiful people. (laughs) Um, But the problem here is this film is a musical and neither of them are great singers or dancers. Like not at all. Like, I mean, they're better than me, but they're not great. Sure. (laughs) I feel like the singing is something that you can work around. Were they actually singing? Yeah, both of them, multiple songs throughout the film and... You know, it's the kind of thing, they're both at the level of singers where if they had like one song each, I could let it slide. But by the end of it, I was like, why am I still listening to Ryan Gosling sing song after song when he's not that great? So he didn't just do his like Ryan Gosling thing where he doesn't say much and just stares at you? No, he was singing and dancing. Okay, all right. In a very mediocre fashion. (laughs) Um, So that's really bad. Um, The other thing that I don't think you can excuse is the fact that the sound mixing is really bad in some of the songs. So, you know, all of the quieter numbers, they've mixed it so badly you can't even hear the lyrics of the song. Maybe that's because they wanted to drown out how bad Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are, but, like, yeah, the instruments are all out of proportion. Where did you see it? 
could that have been a no, theater I've, issue? I've, no, I saw it at Cinema Nova and the person I saw it with also commented on that, but I've since noticed it in several reviews. Oh, really? This, how bad the sound mixing is. So it wasn't just the cinema I saw it okay. in. It seems to be a problem with the film itself. Um, so I had that problem. I also had the problem that just none of the songs are very good. Like yeah. I accept that every musical is going to have like maybe one or two dud numbers, but I also expect that there's going to be one or two really big catchy tunes that I'm going to leave the cinema tapping my feet to. I have no memory of any of the songs in there because they were all forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. What is it? Is it? Um, I assume it's in the style of like your classic Hollywood musical. Kind of like it tries to kind of blend classic Hollywood and all these new things we're doing. And it's kind of a hot mess. Okay. So it's not, (laughs) is it a bit like, uh, uh, Jay-Z's contributions to the great Gatsby? Oh yeah. Maybe a bit like that. Like big band. And then also like your hip hops and stuff. A little bit like the music is kind of quite jazzy because jazz is a large part of the story, but, um, I see yeah. John Legend is in the Yeah, third right. Build. And John, John Legend is actually pretty great. Why is he not the one singing and dancing? You'd think, right? Yeah. You have him, you put him to work. Yeah, I know. Instead, they relegate him to a supporting character when he's the only one there who can sing, guys. So um, La La Land is sitting at a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and all those people are wrong. Where would the Nat Tilt put it? Um, I'm on a I would give it about a four out of ten. Jeez, really? I really hated it. Okay. Um, And the more I think about it, the more I hate it. Because as well, I just found the story is, you know, pretty cliched. The characters are not particularly interesting and neither of those things develop in any interesting way. Um, The purpose kind of seems confused. I'm not sure what the overall point we're sort of supposed to take from the film is. Like why, why am I sitting here watching Ryan Gosling sing? Yeah, like... It just kind of all seemed a bit purposeless and it has all these references to, you know, old Hollywood films that as well I didn't really understand the point of. Like, you know, they make the heaps of references to Rebel Without a Cause. Like they go and watch it on a date and you see a few clips of the movie and then they go up to the observatory together. But I just don't know what the point of all that was because it's not like they're taking any of the themes of that film right. and reworking them in any way. You could literally put any classic film in that place (laughs) and it would do the same job. And I'm like, well, why not actually then pick a film that's somehow related to the story you're trying to tell? Yeah. Um, So they didn't do that at all, which I found super frustrating. I mean, yeah, to me it was just a classic case of director has a successful indie film, in this case Whiplash. Hollywood gives him a bunch of money and tells him to make whatever he wants and he kind of is just inundated with ideas and so does them all and it doesn't work that sucks because whiplash was real good yeah right um so yeah i really hated la la land i'm pretty sure that four out of ten i'm giving it is purely because ryan gosling and emma stone were at least pretty to look at while i was bored in there um but what about you edward what for you grants a dishonorable mention what was your worst of I 2017 because okay. i feel like a 2017 had a lot of rubbish i avoided the rest of it if you want to get real for us oh dip uh, I'm just going to quickly add on to my favorites of the year, Zootopia. Oh. I completely blanked on Zootopia. I saw that movie a little while ago because it's on Netflix now. Oh, I haven't um, seen it yet. It's super good. It's a real good animated movie. Okay. I hate a lot of animated movies. Me too, which I think is why I've avoided it thus far. But you're not the first person to sort of say it would probably make your best of list. So maybe I should just it's really, It's really on the nose because it's all sort of an allegory for... Uh, 
how we treat people who are different and maybe don't look like how we look. And uh, it's it's not subtle about it at all, but it's like 100% effective. So it still works. Zootopia is great. Um, uh, <laughs> just looking at the list of movies that came out this year, my dishonorable mention, I think, would have to go... Uh, why did I watch this movie? I think I know what you're going to say, but say it. I don't think you know what I'm going to say okay. at all. Oh, um, no. Did you see something worse and not tell me about it? Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, I didn't think you'd seen that one, but no, there you go. It's, it's quite bad. Um, and I'm, I enjoyed the book in the way that it's like, it's not like funny, but it's like, ah, yeah, I see. You put zombies in that thing. That's cool, I guess. It's still like mostly Pride and Prejudice, but then you put zombies in. That's a fun thing to do. Uh, but then the movie's just re- very bad. It's a very bad movie. Uh, and Mr. Darcy is the worst Mr. Darcy ever committed to screen. Wow. Um, uh, and the whole well, time... Well, I mean, he is com- competing with Colin Firth. Well, that's so. the thing. The whole time I was just wishing that like Colin Firth would come in and do a little like Kingsman church murdering. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's easily a dishonorable mention, but... I don't have any like insightful things to say about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because I saw it and I hated it and I just like erased it from my mind. Yeah, fair enough. I think that is perfectly fine for a dishonorable mention. I have spent too much time thinking about my dishonorable mention. (laughs) Clearly, yeah. It's just really been burning inside you. But no, actually I have an honorable mention and I just watched it like 20 minutes before you showed up. Yeah. Uh, It's Don't Think Twice, Mm -hmm. which is... um, I think the first movie um, directed by... It's written and directed by Mike Babiglia, mm-hmm. who's a um, stand-up comic. Uh, let me just double check. Sorry, not his first. It's at least his second. He did Sleepwalk With Me in 2012, which is sort of an uh, uh, autobiographical story about his sleep disorder. Um, and... Don't think twice. Yeah. And, uh, but don't think twice is like wholly fictional. And it's about a, uh, New York city improv group, uh, where the leader of the group has been there for seemingly decades and everyone he came up with got onto uh, weekend live, which is their equivalent of Saturday night live. Um, and like all of his friends have grown up and moved on to bigger and better things. And he's stuck in this improv group. Um, and then one of the troupe uh, gets picked for Weekend Live. And it's sort of about the, the interacting personalities in the group, uh, the jealousy that ensues from uh, seeing yet another colleague succeed where he has failed. Uh, Mike Babiglia plays the, um, the, the leader of, or the, the eldest member of the troupe. Uh, and it's just like a really, it's really effective, it's not heartwarming at all, Um, but it really speaks to me as someone who has not yet hit his thirties, but feels like he's already too old to have achieved so little in life. Um, and so, yeah, it really sort of poked at my, 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 my feels as the kids would say. Um, but yeah, I, again, I haven't had a lot of time to really, uh, internalize it and think well, about no, it that not much. not if you only finished it before, just before I got here. Yeah. That's honorable mention probably would be in my main list. Uh, if I had more time to think about it really, but that's, I think that's it for 2016 movies. Yeah. Really. I think so. Like, I think I've got, you know, I've got a healthy list of those I liked and uh, got to have my rant about La La Land. And I have an anemic list of things that I oh, liked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty thirsty for a lot of the stuff that's coming out this year. 
Yeah. What are you What are you super keen for for 2017? I mean, John Wick 2 is probably at the top of my list because John Wick was so good and I love Keanu in everything. But yeah, it's uh, it's another John Wick. I hope his dog doesn't die in this one. I haven't seen the first John Wick. Oh, it's super good. But I'm probably going to watch this one anyway because who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Keanu, yeah, I just like... I kind of just want to hang out with Keanu. He seems like a super chill dude, but, um, (laughs) he seems like a total weirdo to me, but (laughs) I'd probably want to hang out with him anyway. Well, uh, it would be tough to hang out with him. What with the eight hour days of judo and gun practice that he does for John Wick. Um, but no, the, the first movie was just like a really hard hitting action movie. And I I think it was because it was directed by two stunt men, I think two stunt men. Uh, one of which will be directing Deadpool 2 as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's ultra violent and it it had this uh, it had this sort of extended world of assassination um, where John Wick was clearly part of a society of assassins where they had their own rules and their own like hideouts. Um, and at the start of John Wick One, he is no longer in that world, and and the first John Wick pulls him back into it. Um, and I have no idea what's going to happen in John Wick 2. I've sort of been avoiding any information about it because I just want to go in fresh and, and watch him murder a bunch of people. But it is also the first movie that I can think of that reunites uh, Neo with Morpheus because Lawrence Fishburne is also in this movie and it's going to be the best. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's probably my, my top. Um, oh, Yeah. You put Blade Runner 2049 on this yeah, list. Yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about that. I am kind of quietly optimistic because Blade Runner is a film that I actually hated the first time I saw it. I think my dad made me watch it as a teenager. And I was like, I just don't get this. Um, rewatched it again for uni a few years later and was like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And each time I've watched it, I've enjoyed it more and more. Yeah. So I've now probably seen it about five times and I'm only now at the point that I'm like, no, Blade Runner is great. When you first saw it, do you know if you saw the theatrical cut? Or was it the director's cut? It was director's cut. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Blade Runner is probably one of my favorite movies. I, I don't know if you can see behind me. I have the collector's edition. Uh, it's like five, five different cuts of the movie and it comes in this little like plastic Voigtkampf test briefcase. It's the best. Um, it has a photograph, uh, photocopied signed letter from Ridley Scott personally to me. <laughs> photocopied. Um, number 4,000 of like 6,000 or something, but whatever. Um, no, I am, I am super pumped for Blade Runner, but again, it does seem to be continuing the tradition of Ryan Gosling movies where he just like stays quiet and stares into the distance. I like that more than singing and dancing Ryan Gosling. Oh my God. Could you imagine if there was like singing and dancing Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner? No, it might. Be I don't. The, it no, might be the best no, thing ever. Now. No, it might be the worst thing ever. Don't, <laughs> don't even suggest it. But yeah, so there we go. I haven't completely lost faith in the gauze. Um, I'm, in that little... I'm still really excited for Blade Runner. Well, yeah. a bit excited. I don't know. Trying to not get too excited in case it's bad. But how do you think uh, Harrison Ford will do? Well, I feel like he's probably not going to be in that much of it. Is my thinking. Or if he is, he'll be like. Well, I sleepwalking think, his way through it. Yeah, like I think so. Like, movies. I think his character, you know, Deckard having aged, they'll probably just make him a super grumpy old man. Yeah. Um, so that then he doesn't have to act much. If Deckard's aged so much, does that mean he was never a replicant? Four-year lifespan. It's true. I don't mm. know. Oh, God, Moonlight as well. 
Yeah, yeah. so that's just won the other Best Picture Golden Globe yesterday. Yeah. Um, I premiered in Australia just a few days ago and I have only heard a couple of people who've seen it. Um, all of them have said it's real good. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things um, about it as well. So, yeah, that one's currently out now, which I'm keen on. It stars Janelle Monet, who I love, and is also in Hidden Figures, which will be coming out soon. Uh, um, which one is – is he the one who's she, in – She. Okay. She, female singer. Uh Who's the guy who's in the all the little like photos and trailers that you see dunking a kid in water? What? <laughs> Are we not thinking about the same movie? Give me a second here. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that <laughs> image clearly. Uh, anyway, um, what's Moonlight about? Um, to be honest, I don't know much because I like to go into films fresh. As far as I know about it, it's kind of an African American perspective of. Um, the War on Drugs set in Miami, so I think it's got a lot of gangs and drug stuff. Well, spoiler, it looks like a kid gets its head its head dunked in oh, water at one point it. in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not again. I don't know if I can handle that. I feel like we're maybe making like jokes about like a super sad part of the I know, movie. I know, we possibly are, so maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's um, just move on. Yeah, so that's another one I'm keen on. What else are you keen to see? Uh, I mean, okay, like legitimate keenness, Logan, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman's last bat at Wolverine. Um, Old Logan losing his powers um, meets up with, uh, I don't know if they've like actually said that it's X-23 or if it's just been like implied from the trailers or inferred from the trailers, I should say. But yeah, it's old Logan with a kid. and Like his kid? Potentially. Okay. Um, And also like, old sick looking professor x as well um i don't know it just had that super cool trailer with the the johnny cash song i don't watch trailers oh you should watch some trailers no i hate trailers trailers most of them are really bad though the logan one's very good um and yeah it it i really want to see an old not super powered wolverine dealing with children that actually does sound good yeah also it's the last time for huge jacked man. Mm. Um, yes. And then The Kingsman is my other one. The Kingsman sequel, which I was not excited for until they announced that um, one Colin Firth will be returning for it. Was that something that was not a given? They were potentially going to do He died in the first movie. Oh, shit. I completely <laughs> forgot that. See, I actually, I know you really loved Kingsman because you're the one who made me watch it. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. It's and a good movie. clearly I forgot it because I forgot that Colin first died. Yeah, so he's apparently back from the dead. Or he better be back from the dead because his glasses are in the poster. So they can't lie to us. They can't put his glasses in the poster and they're not bringing they, him back. They could do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the other big one off the top of my head that I'm, I'm pretty pumped for for this year. Which again, like two of those are superhero movies and I've been like nothing but disappointed with most superhero movies. So I don't know why. It's like a cycle. Every time I'm like, maybe this time, maybe it'll be better now. And it like never is. So There's a couple more I'm excited for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm also excited for Annihilation. Is that uh, based on the the novel by the same name? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, So that's, I believe, the sci-fi Yes. Novel, yeah. Um, and so that one is coming out. It's the new one directed by Alex Garland, who has had a really long history. His, so his first film was um, Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. Who, which came out a couple of years back, year, oh, two years ago. No, his first movie 
Was that not his first movie? He's I don't also know. he's Google, also written the screenplays yeah. for several movies. Google um, doesn't differentiate between yeah. that. So he wrote the screenplays for a few other sci-fi films or borderline sci-fi like 28 Days Later, yeah. um, Never Let Me Go. Dread. Dread. Which was um, super, super good. He also kind of first came to, I guess, people's awareness because he's the guy who wrote the novel of The Beach. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, so he's kind of a really interesting guy. Um and Annihilation's his new one coming out, which looks good. I'm also really excited because I love genre films that have a predominantly female cast. So this one has Natalie Portman in the lead. Um, and it seems to be mostly other women supporting, including Jennifer Jason Lee, who's super good. Yeah. Um, Oscar Isaac back again. Gina Rodriguez, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. So that'll probably be pretty good or at least very interesting, I think. Um, and the other one I'm kind of keen to see, uh, one that's playing at Sundance at the moment, but is going to be on Netflix after that is casting John Bonet. I kind of love true crime. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm interested in this one as well though, because there's been a lot of documentaries and stuff about the John Bonet Ramsey case. Um, but this one apparently is a bit different where it's not just going through in really procedural way being like, these are the facts we know. Yeah. Um, but it actually explores a lot of the fictions around the case as well. And I think, um, gets into how it is that we create myths and legends out of real crime stories. Yeah. So I think it does have a broader kind of thing that it does than just being a straight doco about the case. Um, and the other reason I'm excited for it is the filmmaker who made it, Kitty Green. She's a, a Melbourne-based filmmaker. I think she's a VCA grad actually. Oh, um, and her first feature film was a documentary called Ukraine is Not a Brothel, which I saw at MIF a couple of years back and that was really good. Yeah. So I'm keen for this one and I'm glad to know that Netflix has already picked it up once it's done its premiere at Sundance. I love Netflix. They're so good about stuff like that, I feel. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds super good. I think that'll just about do it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's kind of, you know. We're just going to ease ourselves back into a regular podcasting schedule. And uh, yeah, so this has been our fourth first episode of the podcast. But it's going to be the last first episode. It will be the last first one. And I, and I feel like the next one really should be an Oscars edition because that's coming up. That is. We'll have nominations out soon. Yeah. So we can uh, weigh in with our thoughts for all those movies we didn't see that this year. I'm actually like super surprised that the nominations haven't. Isn't it in February? No, they push it back to March. Uh, okay. I believe. Right. I was going to say, they're like running out of time. They've like got the long list of nominations, but they don't put out the short list. I bet, I bet your favorite movie of 2016 is going to get even more nominations, Nat. I know. I know. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's almost guaranteed to get the best picture one and I will like rage. I will just be a ball of rage. Well, why don't we do that to wrap up? Okay, prediction. Okay. Prediction for best picture. It'll be La La Land and I'll be so pissed off about it. Do the Oscars differentiate like the Golden Globes or it's best picture and then best uh, musical comedy? No, it's just one best picture. Okay. So yeah, Moonlight and La La Land both won at the Golden Globes. Yeah. But uh, my pick is it's going to be La La Land at the Oscars. I, I I think I would prefer it to be Moonlight, but I think that because the Oscars is the Oscars and there are like bigger names in La La Land, I feel like they're just going to lean that way. I don't know how they vote. How do old white people vote? I don't know. Like there's a whole like industry in promoting films for the Oscars and how to market them to the winners, but best actor. Who do you think? 
Jesus, I haven't even thought about all of those yet. Yeah. I feel like we need to save this for next time. Okay, okay. We'll start off with predictions next time. Okay, good. Uh, All right, well, that will do us for uh, this week and we will be back soon. Soon, we promise, this time. Yeah, undecided date, but soon. Yeah. Uh, And thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys.